0: Hello, Spacers. Welcome to Starlight, a space opera. I'm Isaac, your host and GM for the adventures ahead. This show, whether you're watching or listening, is a labor of love and one that we want to make the best for you. So if you can, take a moment to freely subscribe or share however is most comfortable for you. Thanks. Now let's plot a course to Starlight. You ever get tired of drawing maps and having your players ruin your hard work by teleporting away? Or using Charm Creature to avoid that glorious boss battle set in that laboriously crayon drawn map? Yeah, (laughs) me too. Well that's my problem no more. Starlight maps and battle mats are now sponsored by the beautiful artwork of Loki battle mats from Lavish Palaces to cold alien caverns. They have a solution for everything. The maps come in big books that are easily transported, can be drawn on with the race markers, and immerse the players with a stunning reality. They'll forget they aren't actually standing by that pool of lava. And battle mats are only the beginning of what Loki has to offer. Wanna know more? Go check them out. Or stop by our YouTube to see what they have to offer. Now, let's roll. Welcome to Starlight. That's right. The show with the mostest. We got our battle mat, We got our crew. Speaking of our crew, why don't we do a little roundhouse? I am Isaac Yorks, your GM and host. And the actual stars of the show begin with...
1: Um, Courtney playing McKenna, who's currently trying to rescue her son. Who? Yes.
2: And then moving on to... (laughs) Um, I'm Nathan, I play (laughs) Atlas. And I'm Sam, and I play Clive Jensen. All right. I'm eating a cookie right now.
0: It's delicious, rest assured. But that's not important. What's important? Do you have something to say?
1: The cookies are made by uh, Sam Williams, AKA Clive Jensen, and they are amazing. Just wanted to give some cookie credit there.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Appreciate it. Peanut butter cookies. Does Clive, would Clive cook, make, bake peanut butter cookies? Yeah. That's yeah, pretty sweet. And with that, let's jump in to this episode of Starlight.
1: Neuralink, would you please mind accessing memories?
3: Accessing.
0: Strange
1: twists occurred as cult followers of the family tried to
3: subvert the election of an emergency leader by calling on the law of choice. An archaic Loxodonian law placed within the legislature at the city's founding by the Sunmaker. The law calls upon the primal right of trunk wrestling to claim dominance within a matter should the challenger defeat the other's champion. But when Atlas steps up as champion for the annoying people, the family gets more than they bargained for as Atlas utterly destroys the competition. But things grow stranger when Atlas declares the new emergency leader to be one of his Acer bosses, throwing many of the townspeople into dismay, confusion, and hope. Following that, the Spacers finally convene back at the Lonely cord, having potentially burned both the bridges with Thyra and Mr. Grimble, deciding that the appropriate thing for them to do is to take Gorn's help in locating the Malachi, the Sunmaker's Dragon, where he can then use a key to contact his old master, and thus they take his starship and head towards the science outpost known as Vardas, where the Sunmaker's ship is hidden. Memories retrieved. We begin the game
0: with a little vote from the crew of tense spacers. A lot has happened, and I think that right now is a fair time for our dear spacers to vote on which one of them deserves inspiration. So, in no particular order, who would you guys nominate for inspiration? I am also open for inspiration if you want to give me some.
2: My vote would definitely have to be for uh, Atlas for uh, the whole uh, arm wrestling thing and putting someone in charge who nobody expected. Taking control of a planet. Mm. <laughs> Not myself. That's, that seems pretty inspiring to me. It was indeed inspiring.
1: Um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, can I refrain from putting a vote? Cause my feelings are still quite tense <laughs> from the last session.
0: We give your vote
1: over to Aditral. Okay. And Atlas.
0: Who would you vote
2: for? Uh, because I have faith in you, Isaac, that you'll use your inspiration for good things. <laughs> I will give you the inspiration. Are you sure you want to go that route? Remember, he used inspiration against you last game. Just, just I throw that it, out there. It makes it All interesting. Right.
0: As it comes down to a 50-50 vote, since McKenna could not choose. McKenna, will you please roll a die 100? And I will take 49 or lower. 11. Well, thank you. That is another <laughs> point of inspiration for your GM.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I play, play hardcore.
0: You guys to get I play I play hardcore. <laughs> <like, yeah. laughs> when I die, I die for real. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we jump in. Packed up, ready to go, you guys find yourselves rocketing across the surface of Thela. Along left was Nanoy, and you are all powering on this starship across the planet. You leave what was the small island in which Nanoy was situated, and you are primarily going across choppy waters. The water is gray, white-capped, and you can see just constant waves. and almost like, as you get further and further out, tsunami-like crests that break, you see some strange creatures who are swimming throughout the, the vastness, but nothing that really catches your eye. What catches your eye, though, is this wall of white in the distance. You can see that this wall of white almost looks like a veil of fog, but as you guys start to pierce into it, it then begins to look like snow until it hits the front of the vehicle. That's when you realize this is no snow, this is ash. And lots of it. And before you know it, you guys are engulfed. And Gorn switches over to using the instruments to pilot because all line of sight is completely gone. It is by kind of like that Twilight Zone and when you start to finally crest towards the city of Varbas, as Gorn told you about. Gorn lets you know that Varbas is not really a city, but more of a scientific, like, outpost. It was originally started as a place for gathering information on some of the strange seismic activity around the cluster of volcanoes that center throughout the equator of the planet. The Sunmaker, he hid the Malachy with a friend, so to speak. A uh, curious fellow, Kenku, by the name of Zekar. The Maliki is being kept under careful maintenance. It is hidden in this junkyard, amongst all sorts of other clutter. It won't be long now until we are able to make our way there. We can land just about up next to Zekar's shop.
1: If I'm recalling correctly, is this close to the equator where we saw it on the map?
0: Yes. The atmosphere between all of you is a bit tense. Gorn himself isn't apt to talking. And you notice that a few times, of course, as you're looking in the back, that Gorn's two assistants are there, his two uh, guards. And you crest over Varboss. Varbas itself is on floating um, platforms as well, but there are constant machines that run across the platforms doing their very best to clean off the soot before minutes later it starts to get covered again from the constant belches around you down below you can see almost like shield volcanoes and all sorts of other uh, types of strange topography and now you see when you approached Thala and you saw the equator was covered in like a white smoke. It is both a mix of all of the smoke and ash in the atmosphere, but that smoke and ash has done such a good job of blotting out the sun that it feels like it is eternally this kind of twilight feel. There is like also thin sheets of ice because it blocks out a lot of the warmth of the sun. Points down, there tis. You see what looks like kind of like a warehouse factory type situation built on corrugated metal and just ramshackle together. And it is the kind of place that you would expect to see on a developing or outbounds planet. It, for lack of better terms, looks like a place for shadier types or people well out on their luck. Doors to the bottom of the starship starts to open and Gorn starts marching out ahead of you. We must get a hold of the zikar And you all three were following behind him watch as he meets up with these like hooded almost like Jawa-sized figures and they kind of are wearing these brown kind of cloaks. Their heads are kind of covered but you do see like these yellowish beaks that come out about a foot from their Uh, face like from where their face should be and you can see that their hands are like more like bone that kind of curves at the end like a hook and you can just see like a bunch of them run up just yes zakar he is here what do we take him here take me there right away it is a matter of grave importance tell them that i am here on business for the sun maker and then you see a couple of them run ahead. gorn looks back at you, this way. And he starts walking towards the building and the entrance. You guys are led into the inside of it and it is heated by forced air. It is almost everything within is rusty. You see crated materials. You see just strewn across the ground like haphazard um, wires. And as you guys are kind of like entering into like the main floor, there's like a burst of sparks. These sparks kind of rain down. And you watch as one of those like guys falls from the ceiling onto the ground shakes its head and you watch as the robe top falls back and you actually see like a full on yellowish eyes without an iris and like kind of, like purple feathers that then turn into like a thin skin across the back. It grabs its hood with the, the sides of its arms and forces it back on and then scrambles back up to the top where it continues welding a recent hole in the top of the building. You can see various projects and ships and things being worked on and the group of those beings that ran ahead return with one who is dressed not much better than it looks like his employees, has like a kind of a bandolier belt and various tools on his back. You can see that he has like a pistol to his side and is completely feathered in black. You see a Kenku, the one that is known as the car. Welcome, welcome, how can I help you? As you all know, Kenku's copy things that they've heard. And as you listen to his speech pattern, he is ramshackling all these phrases he's heard from other people together to greet you. Gorn steps forward. Zikar, dear friend, you know the time has come. And he holds up the key. Zikar kind of cocks his head as birds do. Why? Yes, I can help you. And these people, are they good for credits? They're good for anything that we need. Gorn leans in. The Sunmaker, he's in trouble. Well, that's not good. You will get it tip top shape as soon as possible.
2: Come on, come on. Can I make a perception check of just the main area, kind of see what what kind of things, what kind of quote unquote projects they're they're working on.
0: What you notice is it's a myriad of projects. You see things that look like they were just traded at like another junkyard and he's like trying to repurpose it to sell for more than it is, essentially like running the odometer back. Yeah. You also see like legitimate projects. You see like what looks to be like some sort of like core for scientific uh, instruments being worked on with like a minor more like respectful tact is taking to repairing those, as in the tools aren't scattered around and they don't, like they're gonna fall off and break. And you also, you see that there are piles of shit parts just, just thrown on top of one another. Eventually you start to kind of walk up this platform to the top, and Zakhar points downward, where you can see a dark shape. Hard to see what it is because it's so deep, but it looks like some form of like a dragon or a starship. There she is. Credits. And I'll also run the information. And then he goes over to like a side computer and starts tapping into it.
3: Hey, you. Come here, you need to see this.
0: Gorn looks at all of you, nods, and they seem to kind of like talk back and forth. But the entire time, Zakhar is pretty intent on typing into this computer. And every once in a while he kind of looks back at Gorn. Um, Atlas, can you roll a perception roll? 18. You just kind of get like this weird feeling. The hairs on the back of your neck kind of bristle. When you look around, there's nothing that you quite see. And you start, your eyes kind of wander upward. And you see a convergence of those little people working under car just clink, clink, clink above you guys. And it looks like there's like a group of them coming around. I'm going to just slowly
2: walk up to Gorn. I'm going to just pick him up and then put him against a pillar or wall, anything that's closer. Are you trying to betray me?
0: You see Gorn's head flop from the hit. His eyes kind of roll, and you just see this yellowish flash, just a color. And then it fades in the same way a synth's eyes do. Clive, will you roll a perception roll with disadvantage? Ten. You see a familiar sequence of ones and zeros on the Kinka's computer screen. A synth reset. And then, with that, Sikar turns, pulling out the pistol. You hit the end of the road here. You watch as these uh, small beings with the hooked arms drop from the ceiling around you with a. <laughs> and now they're on all fours kind of like running up at you.
2: Yeah, I'll turn towards the Kinkou or Zakar. I'll just drop Gorn and I'll just charge towards him. And then as a bonus action, I'll rage and then I will swing with reckless, 23.
0: You watch as Zakar kind of raises the pistol up. He then moves his hand into the way of the block it and you cheer off one of his other hands. <laughs> moves back, feathers kind of flying out blood gouging out of his wrist.
2: I'm fully transformed.
0: The chaos ensues. The hook horror creature closest to McKenna comes clambering forward on all fours, raises up both hooks, and then reaches down and hooks it around McKenna's arms. It starts to pull. I need you to roll an athletics roll versus theirs. You pull back, and you actually pull it towards you. Atlas, this hook horror comes around to the side. It attacks you, but you manage to kind of parry it off to the side. The last hook horror then comes up over to Clive, where it manages to hit with one of its attack, but not the other. Clive cast um, and sent his nanobots out towards the Cancun with Hunter's Mark. Okay. So he is These things go around it almost like a tornado And then you watch as the nanobots The little like, lights that are on the head Start to turn like a brilliant Just
2: kind of like flash of colors That light it up no matter where it is And then as quickly Because that was a bonus action So as quickly as he sent out his mark He's going to take a shot at the King Koon Ooh, that's, not, that's not what I wanted Do you want to use your inspiration? Yeah, you know what, I will. 21. That's going to be one die eight plus one. Extra one die six, because he's marked. 13 points of damage. It falls back, a car just.
0: Ugh. Now might just be the time to cut and run.
1: With this guy on me, I'm going to do Shocking Grasp on him. Um, and it's just a touch, and there'll be one die eight of damage. So 14 then. So you reach
0: a hand out. The hand just has nanobots go all around it and they start just as you reach around the neck of the creature and you watch as it almost like tasers the thing until it shocks to the ground and falling down towards the dark shape beneath the platform. Zakar is going to use shot on the run. So it disengages and fires a shot at Atlas with disadvantage as it's running. Even though he misses the the bright light from the from the pistol is enough to blind you for a second as he dashes and into an adjoining room filled with clutter.
1: It's like now that these guys right around you are around you're taking care of. Is there a computer around here somewhere?
0: Where Atlas is standing, uh, which is about ten feet from you, mm-hmm. they, you see the the small like computer that Sakar was working on.
1: Okay, I'm gonna just walk over there.
0: Clive, you're up. Take a shot at the one in front of me. Natural one. You. And the shot then misses. And where it hits on the side of the wall, you realize that that was no wall, that that was some sort of fuselage. And you watch as it just, there's a small fire. And you can see, as the, like, fuselage leaks, you follow where the leak is going, you can see a trail of where it's heading towards a pile of what looks like would be pretty explosive.
2: Well, uh, we, we, we might need to take care of that, uh, sometime soon before we all get blown to smithereens. That's my bad, uh. I guess I had a bit of a drink before we got here. The creature you shoot past just
0: looks back at it, looks at you, and you see like the eyes kind of like widen slightly. And it immediately is going to disengage and it starts climbing under the grating beneath your guys' feet and starts running. It is 30 feet away, and it is literally hanging underneath the grating uh, below your guys' feet. (laughs) And as its turn ends, and you guys see out in the corner more of these things kind of starting to head their way on the walls.
2: How is was going to charge after is a car.
0: As you charge after him and come into this other room, you see that this room is not lit, not completely dark, but it is shadowy and it is clustered with things. And immediately as you walk in, you don't see anything.
2: Well, I have a 10 foot reach with my tail. I'm just going to swing my tail across the room. 22.
0: You successfully hit everything within 10 feet. Wreckage, material, McKenna and Fly, you hear as Atlas destroys all this equipment and you even see as like a screwdriver comes flying out of the room behind him. Um, but there is no feathers, no Zakar or anything. So you guys listen as Atlas roars and at the same time as Atlas roars, there is the ignition of an explosion. Zakar gets thrown forward from his hiding spot, Atlas, towards you, (laughs) and you see flames as he's patting himself out. You watch as like in a very ungraceful manner, using what feathers he had left, he kind of like bends down and then jumps. Flapping like a chicken, he's able to get an extra 10 feet up onto a ledge and you can see that he has another 10 feet to go as
1: he starts trying to climb his way up to a window. I'm going to try to interface with this computer to open up where the spaceship is. 13.
0: This entire area where you guys are standing on the platform begins to part the little worker who's underneath gets pulled towards the wall with a and it hits the side of the wall and kind of starts to scrabble onto a smooth surface as it starts to kind of like fall down towards the the ship. And the ship then begins to rise. And you guys watch as like junk and other clutter falls off of the sides of it. I'm
2: just going to try to shoot him with the uh, burst action. 21. would you like to take down Zakar? You're going to see Alice just like launch himself into the air. While car's coming down, he's just going to like grab him by the head and then just like throw him like basically into the ground and land on him.
0: Clive, you watch as this like gate is opening, right? Gorn, who was left on the side, his body is limp. You catch as he's starting to slip down towards the ship and off the precipice. Mm, okay, well, I'm gonna go save Gorn. And make an athletics check. Yeah. Oh, it's a 12. 12? Well, yeah. Gorn slips into darkness, and you watch as Gorn's limp form breaks across the top of the bow of this dragon. And indeed, as you watch the ship come up, it is some form of a dragon. You watch as the cube falls to the platform below the bottom of the dragon, but that's not the only thing that catches your eyes. What catches your eyes are the the hook horror that is the furthest to the right of the board. It is not only is it about 30 feet away, but it is dragging with the help of three other hook horrors, a gun that is the size of like all three of them. It takes two of them to hold up. The end almost looks like a drill and you can see like little like white light forming out the back end as the inside where this drill is is starting to spin with a zzzz, and the drill starts to open up and you see this red light. You've seen this thing. This baby, sweet. <laughs> it is normally attached to, to starships. It is a mass driver. Oh. And you watch as one of them's holding the a cord that goes all the way to the machine and the other two are holding it in place and you watch as the mass driver raises and they are not pointing at any one of you but at the ship.
2: Oh dear, guys. Uh, if we want to get out of here with that ship, we gotta take care of that. That's that's no no normal weapon, and this it'll make this explosion behind us look like child's play.
0: 30 points of damage straight into the side of this dragon without any of its shields attached and you watch as parts of the flesh just open with a <laughs> and smoke from the mass driver starts to proceed to come up out precipitating from the fleshy outer material as the kind of plasma beam begins to burrow and break apart the bioorganic matter.
1: I feel like we just have to get the ship running. So I'm jumping down there. Giving the key,
0: you'll run over to part of where the ship's entrance area would be. McKenna, I need you to make a history check. 13. It is not the mallet key. You've never seen this ship before. And as you are down there, you see that it is a half-built ship. Mm. And as you're down, and there, down there, you see that the the workers are up there with the mass driver. One of them's raising its hook arm, and it's going and leveling it at you. <laughs> and you can see them slowly moving the mass driver to face you.
2: But a precision <laughs> shot is typically for uh, if I'm targeting like a humanoid type figure or something. Can I target the mass driver and say so try to shoot like directly into? The barrel opening to try and destroy it you could apply a headshot to headshot. it i will just take a shot at it and it's gonna be a
1: nine total you can use my inspiration if you want sometime down there And
2: <laughs> um, that's gonna be a 19. there we go that is a
0: hit you raise it up and you fire <clears throat> into the small section as the mash driver is beginning to open up again there is a fiery Inferno within and then smoke comes out the back end, just as the machine then starts to power down and the drill section closes. And the, uh, the, the creatures almost drop it out in surprise. As they look down, they start kicking the side of it.
1: Um, this is not the Sunmaker ship. Uh, do we want to look for that ship or just take this one?
2: Uh, well, I think we should probably take care of the the problem at hand first with these hook horrors, but at this point, yeah, uh, we need to get out of here as quickly as possible.
1: Well, I'm assuming you have the hook horrors taken care of, right? It's quieter up there.
2: If we can get the ship started, we can get out of here. It also appears that, uh, Gorn may be out of the picture. We can always take his ship.
1: That's true, but we're taking Gorn's ship. (laughs)
0: And you guys watch as McKenna disappears from the view. No. I'm going to take a shot at one of the ones that's holding the, uh, the cannon. So the same one that was up front when you shot it, you raise it. This time, less cares when you shot into the mass driver and just fire.
2: <clears throat> and the back of it just splatters across its companions. And then I'm going to use Swordbreaker to attack <sighs> one that's next to it.
0: Atlas, you see these two. Uh, creatures left. Both of them, obviously, one looking very concerned, and like it's about to run, the one that's holding the what's left of the mass driver.
1: Oh, we'll
2: shoot at it.
0: And the head just burst. Just <laughs> now, if the other creature wasn't sure what it was gonna do it now is it drops the line and it darts off into the (laughs) darkness of the of the factory and you just hear it scraping over things things falling as it's yelling for no others to come after it and that is where things start to kind of quiet down your guys's heart rate slowing you look down where Gorn was, and you see that he looks battered, broken. It—he's lying at an odd angle. Looks like he fell on his head. And McKenna is still exiting towards Gorn's ship, yelling something about knowing the location of the Malachy. And that is where things end right there. And so, with that, I think that is a great place to call
1: the game. Oh.
2: Wow. Wow.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Starlight. If you enjoyed this, please like, share, subscribe. For early releases, exclusive RPG content, and other bonus material, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com starlightadventures. And to reach us for questions to be aired, email us at StarlightAdventures at gmail.com. See you next Tuesday, spacers.